welcome to episode 223 of Effect, Still Walking. I'm Dave. And I'm Matthew. And after three or four attempts at recording this, I can assure you that we have actually got content for you today. Um, our biggest content uh, is uh, we're having an interview with Gary Harper, friend of the show, friend of the gaming community here in the UK, yeah. about his brand new role-playing game that's uh, uh, that's out now in a quick start format or in a prototype format, but you can, you, you'll be able to kickstart it later in the year. We've also got a new patron to thank, and we've got a little bit of news from the world of gaming. Not much news this this time, but um, but we've got some news in the world of gaming. Now, that'd be quite nice because, um, you know, normally, these days anyway, our world of gaming segment lasts 40 minutes. Whereas when we started the show um, back in the day, it was oh, supposed to be just a two or three, you know, the most a five minute little tickle through, you know, what's going on in the world of gaming. But now we just talk and talk and talk. And uh, so it'd be nice. This is a retro episode going back to the way we used retro. to do it. Yeah. And back in those days, we used to try really hard with the world of gaming bit not to talk about any free league stuff because obviously free league stuff is the meat of our content. But I guess... We're going to start off with some free league stuff in this week's World of Gaming, but um, I guess that's okay because the main content isn't anything to do with free league, so <laughs> swings and roundabouts. Well, not uh, we've also got a patron to say thank you to. We do. And um, because of a handy lesson that you gave me just before we started recording, or should I say before we started this recording... <laughs> <laughs> when we started take three, before uh, our technical gremlins got in the way again. Uh, I, I think I'm able to pronounce it, but by all means, correct me, Dave, with your with your Swedish speaking um, wife. Uh, I believe that our new patron is called Kalla Nieberg. That's my guesstimate of uh, the pronunciation. Um, apologies, Kalla, if we've completely murdered your name again, uh, as we do with most um, most of our most of our lovely patrons. But yeah, thank you so much for uh, for backing us. Um, get yourself on the Discord if you're not there already and come and join join the gang. So, that being done, in less than three minutes, we have uh, plenty of time for our extra long World of Gaming section. Yes, extra um, long. <laughs> let's kick off with Electric State, which... Uh, has got a lot of our patrons excited. It's not for some reason it's not doing it for me. I don't know why, but I haven't backed it. Um, and I have to say, it's only the second most anticipated game of 2024, according to the uh, correspondence of N World, the uh, the role playing website. Yeah, indeed. Um, yeah, like you, I we as said we said on the previous shows. I'm not sure that I've seen anything with Electric State that, that makes me think there's stuff there I can run that I can't run either on Tales from the Loop or Mutant Year Zero or, um, or The Walking Dead. So it hasn't really grabbed me yet. Um, I mean, it looks lovely. That There is a bit of me that's tempted to back it simply because of how lovely it looks. And that wouldn't be the first time. But with my, with my um, you know, reduced income, and now it's it's nearly a year <laughs> since I um since I quit my real job and and um and started writing full time. But with my reduced income, I have to be a little bit more circumspect about what I back and what I don't. So um, 
for me so far, no, Electric State hasn't got it. But as you say, it's got a lot of people very in- interested and excited. There's been quite a lot of conversation on our Discord about it, which actually makes me... Um, makes me mm, a slight bit of FOMO there, Dave? Slightly. <sighs> no, it's not really FOMO, because um, I would mow anyway, because I'm not sure when I'd ever get around to playing it. Um, mm. So my, my foe of the mow is, um, <laughs> you know... Uh, it uh, isn't 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 great so i don't i'm not no I, i'm not suffering from fomo i don't think but it's interesting just hearing some of the things that some of our our patrons have been talking about um which makes the game sound a little bit more interesting than it you know on face value how it's hit me and you know hit me between the eyes um yeah so it'll be it, interesting to see how the mechanics it appears to be a slightly more inward looking game mm. with mechanics to reflect that i don't know but we um we maybe should uh, investigate a bit more. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I should certainly keep my eye on it for sure. Um, but it's, yeah. it's it's interesting though. It's going, you know, it, it lost out on the most anticipated game of you know the coming year poll um, to Shadow of the Weird Wizard. Now, which that, I know at least one of our patrons will be very excited by. Yeah, but again, it's it's not something I've ever really ever really come across or or got immersed in so I, I i know very little about it um you know other than it looks like a pretty box standard fantasy kind of game um yeah it, i mean it comes from i believe is it called shadow or is there another uh, objective of the demon lord anyway which yeah. is a very grown up and as i understand it but by all means community particularly you paul correct me if i'm wrong mm-hmm. it looks to me a bit like a kind of um dnd 3.5 but with the horror amped up to 11 um and this is the horror is softened to make it a little bit more family friendly as yeah. i understand it with the weird wizard yeah um i mean it's it's obviously popular it did very well on its um on its kickstart so it's uh, it made over four hundred thousand dollars over four thousand backers so that's all cool um but again it's the, yeah i don't know it's there's, there's there's so much fantasy stuff out there <clears throat> and i i you know i've i've had the opportunity to look slightly more deeply at a couple of kind of the fantasy offerings because because of my because of my day job mm-hmm. and and they're fine you know um but the you know it's all I don't know it's all it's all fantasy. There's just I mean it's, there's it's, so much fantasy out there. Isn't is the there? market just saturated with with fantasy? Which uh, well it's, yeah. it appears not, doesn't it? And um, you you had a very interesting insight on that before we started recording, Dave. <laughs> is there <laughs> so I? much fantasy around because it's so easy to write fantasy adventures, Dave? Because you said you seven thousand words in any other genre takes you about two weeks. Seven thousand words <clears throat> of writing a fantasy adventure takes you two and a half days. So <laughs> you're not supposed to be, you know, like revealing my trade secrets here, mate. Um, <clears throat> I, I do find writing fantasy flows much more freely and readily than writing for some other games. And I think mm-hmm. that that's probably the expectation. So the the example I was using was Dune. And I think I find the expectation on me for what a Dune scenario or adventure is going to yeah, entail and consist of. Um, it, it feels just more, more complicated. Now, I 
you know, I'm I'm not when I'm writing a fantasy thing, it's not just there's a dungeon, go and kill the monsters and nick the stuff. There's always more to it than that. But I still find in the fantasy genre it flows much more easily. And that might well be down to the fact that, you know, for fifteen years from when I was, you know, nine years old, ten years old when I first started playing, I was playing fantasy games. And it might be from, you know, the fact that I spent many years playing fantasy MMOs on on the computer with World of Warcraft and Guild Wars and the like. So perhaps that fantasy setting, Elder Scrolls, another one, that fantasy setting is so well ingrained in me that, you know, it, you know, it just flows more easily. Whereas something like Dune, I feel perhaps a little bit less familiar with the, the subject matter, although I, you know, I know Dune pretty well. Um, and I maybe I just feel a bit more pressure that it's got to be, you know, it's really got to be plans within plans within plans, and there's got to be all sorts of uh, things that evoke the Dune setting. And I, you know, I love it, and I, I'm very proud of the things I've written for Dune, and I think they're very, very good. Um, but you know, time will tell when they get when they finally get released um, by Modifius, then the players can tell me whether I'm right. I'm thinking that they're very good. Or not. <laughs> um, it'll be down to them to decide. But I'm I'm pleased with them. I think I've done. A, I mean, I'm. I'm I'm content. That Dune got... stuff it isn't in our world of gaming slot, but what's your prognosis on when that's coming out? Because uh, I... you wrote that some time ago now. So, so there's um, so there, there's two there's two angles here. There's a campaign book which they're working on, which I'm not sure what they've said about it. So I'm probably going to keep my mouth shut on on what that is, in case mm-hmm. in case um, they haven't said anything. But there is a campaign book, and I've written a couple of scenarios for that. Um, and that's cool. That that's that that you know that I think players will really enjoy that campaign. That's that's really special. Um, and then they have PDF adventures that they put out periodically, and I've written a couple of those. Um, one of which, one of which was only submitted just before Christmas, um, and one that was submitted several months ago. But the production process is quite long. So yeah, um, and of course, it's got to go through all that approval stuff with the holders and things like yeah, that. Precisely. Yeah, precisely. So I don't know when that will come out, but it's it's on its way. Um, and uh, yeah, so I've tried to do something a bit different with that. When I pitched it to to Andy Peregrine, um, actually, the original pitch for that was a pitch for another story, which <laughs> he liked, but then didn't pick up at that moment, which I then recycled into this one. Um, and it's. Uh, yeah, it's slightly different. It takes a slightly different um, twist on the political intriguing, and um, yeah, I, I'm pleased with it. Um, Andy seemed to like it. And I think uh, I hope the players will too. Cool, that's very exciting. We shall look forward to it. I'm just curious. Uh, again, we didn't have this as an item on here, but when you say PDF adventures, I'm remembering that Star Trek Adventures was supported with a bunch of. PDF yeah. adventures to begin with, uh, and they were free actually initially. And but then I think they got all bound into a book if you wanted to get them in book form as well. Am I right? I think yes, um, that definitely rings your a bell. Ran a few of them. Um, that definitely rings a bell. I I'm not sure what the what the distribution model for these PDFs are. Whether they are offered for free or whether they are whether you whether they are you know they charge for them. I don't know off the top of my head. Um, but it's yeah, it's something that Modifius does with a lot of its lines. 
that you know they put out a a steady stream of of adventures on PDF to you know I guess to keep the keep the fan base you know topped up with um with with fun things to do. Yeah, which is and good. I guess I'll, um you know if you can't for whatever reason do something like the Free League Workshop or any of those things where where your audience can share their adventures. Yeah. It's it's a good way of of keeping content going without without getting bogged down by production and waiting for you know books to ship from wherever they're shipping or paper to ship into wherever they're printing or whatever, um, and that could all happen at a later date. Yeah, absolutely. We should consider it for Tales of the Old West. I think. Yes. Yep. I agree. Uh, anyway, uh, let's we move on to the well. the the second uh, item in our long list of uh, world of gaming. Things. <laughs> our long list of two things. <laughs> and this is, um, yeah. So I was browsing Kickstarter at the look of uh, looking for stuff that might be interesting to talk about, and I'm beginning now. And I don't want to say this, but I'm beginning to get a bit bored with. Merkborg supplements. Uh, not not so much bored with them. I mean, it's great that there's all this content getting produced, and I'm sure there's all sorts of interesting takes and stuff like um, like Forborg that we talked about uh, a while back. Yeah. But I always kind of so I ignored most of the Merkborg stuff that that I saw on Kickstarter. But I quite like uh, a new supplement for Cyborg, which is called Kill Engine. Mm. Um, there will be a link in the show notes because uh, it's not spelt with an engine. It's spelt E-N-G-N. Um, engine. I, I say I quite like it. Um, I'm not quite sure how it fits in the world, but I'm sure it does. And it's it's giant robot suits, uh, basically. It's mech fighting, as yeah. far as I can see. Yeah. Me- um, mech warrior in Cyborg, I think it looks to me. Yeah. Which is cool. Um, and, Which is cool. I, and I think that could be a fun take. Um, so like um, you, I, I, I agree. I, I was kind of thinking, you know, oh, not another expansion for or another spin-off of Merkboyer. Um, and then looking at the Kickstarter for it, you go down to the bottom and there's just a list of other expansions, other, you know, spin-offs from, from Merkboyer. So it's like, mm. yeah, I. It, it's a great credit to, you know, the Stockholm cartel guys and, you know, the, you know, the fabulous work they did with, Merkborg in the first place that it's been so popular and so many people want to to spin off from it. But I I'm not gonna back it, but I quite like the look of Kill Engine, actually. Mm. I I initially thought, oh you're like you, like slight kind of like deflation of like no not another one. But it, it looks good. It you know, they always yeah, look good. I think I might even back um, it. I, I don't uh. I'm not gonna back it because I'm not I'm never gonna play it. Um but it, yeah, I mean, it looks good. If you're, I think you know, I I wouldn't, I wouldn't want anyone listening to this to be put off from from giving a having a good look at it on the basis of of us saying, oh no, not another Morg Borg supplement, because um, it does look nice. And I think yeah, that, and I really want to bring Cyborg to the table at some point, um, and uh, and I will. At some point, and I don't normally like giant mechs, but I just wonder whether the um, the Mortborg philosophy, shall we say, mixed with um, robot mech suits, yeah. could be um, could be fun. So I might give it a go, at least in PDF format. I mean, it's interesting because um, you know I played a little bit of Mech Warrior back in the day, not loads, but a little bit. That was quite fun. 
Um, and then you've had things more recently that some people got quite excited about, like Salvage Union, which I would still mm. quite like to get Salvage Union to the table because I've got the like the quick start thing. I, di- I didn't back the full the full the full game, but um, I know some of our patrons did, and I think I've heard, if I recall right, we've had a few reflections of slight disappointment now that they've kind of got it and had a good look at it. So, mm. um, I don't know. For me, it kind of gives the, almost a airship pirates feel or vibe, because I mean, you are you are in your big. I don't know what they call it. I don't remember your your big mech base. Suit, let's your call big, it. Your, your, well, your big base that moves, but your mech suit lives inside the big base that moves. Yeah, and so that's kind of your airship almost. And I, I quite like the idea of that. I quite like the idea of that tromping across the wastelands, trying to salvage stuff in order to survive, and you go on missions from it in your your smaller your smaller mechs so i yeah. love that i like the idea of that but i have heard from a couple of people slight sort of slight disappointed vibes about it and i can't this is this is actually quite bad because i can't right put my finger on i don't, don't remember what the problem was so here i am saying people are disappointed with it without giving any evidence so that's not really fair um yeah uh but yeah it's a game i'd like to get to the table and i, I do quite like that idea now cyborg mechs is this just going to be a bit like get your mech you know contestants are you ready which just came to mind because the new series of gladiators is on and it's great 1980s retro feel for me having watched it back (laughs) in the day um you know you just you just jump in your suit and beat the shit out of someone until you know one of you's still standing or is there is there more to it than that i don't know well maybe i should buy it by pdf just to find out whether there is and you can tell us yeah so, uh, so yeah, we, we may well do that. There's a physical copy, but um, given it's produced in America, I don't want to pay physical um, shipping charges. So I'll go yeah. with PDF. Yeah. And that brings us to the end of this marathon session <laughs> of the world of gaming. There must uh, be some point. Just... We've, we've still talked for 15 minutes, you know. <laughs> we assuming, can still talk. Assuming your gremlins are now, are now well under control. Anyway, that's, anyway, that's by the by. We have also got on the laptop, which I can still use, even if I can't uh, put anything with it, there, there is an audio recording that we made earlier in the week with the lovely, 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 lovely Gary Harper. Lovely. Don't forget the fifth lovely. Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the lovely, 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 lovely Gary Harper. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and we were we were talking to him about his new game that he's working on at the moment called When We Die. So today in the Hammam, we have a friend of ours uh, as our player in the Hammam, but we're not just a player in the Hammam, but also on this occasion, a creator in the Hammam. We have Gary Harper. Um, Lovely to have you on board, Gary. We are here to talk to you. You you haven't been on the show before, so it's great to have you on. Um, But we're here to talk to you about um, the new game that you are putting together. Uh, called when we die and we'll come to that in a bit more uh in a bit more detail in a minute but welcome to the show great to have you Thank have you. you here um the well, first it, th- it is good to see gary here because um uh we know gary uh of old gary um <laughs> our, our listeners will have heard us moan about how comic-con was um <laughs> and but they will also probably have heard us sing your praises about how you were one of the bright sparks that made Comic Con um, even vaguely worthwhile for us, because you also <laughs> run 
uh, RPG mm. Haven, don't you? RP or, Haven, or, yes. RP Haven, yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah and well, uh, Comic Con was a massive challenge, I think, for all of us. <laughs> but uh, I think we all came out of it laughing and crying at the same time yeah. in a good yeah. way. So, yeah. yeah. It turned out with a wonderful esprit de corps. All right, in the end, yeah, indeed, and it built a lot of esprit de corps. But anyway, the first <laughs> thing we like to do with our new guests on uh, on the show, Gary, is to ask you a little bit about your life in gaming. So obviously, we don't need ten hours of uh, of detailed stuff, but just a quick potted history of what got you into gaming in the first place, what you were sort of what you love about it, and what you kind of you know get up to nowadays. Well. Uh... I've been gaming since I'm nine years old, which is going quite a way back now. Um, and gaming was a, I don't know how to put it, it, it changed my life. So I'm quite mm -hmm. heavily dyslexic and role playing games and Dungeons and Dragons, actually, it was Hero Quest was the first thing that oh, drew right. me into it all. <laughs> so I was playing Hero Quest and I started to really enjoy it. and. I wasn't getting on very well with my education or anything, but playing Hero Quest and moving into Dungeons and Dragons around the age of nine, I suddenly had this huge taste of I could be something different. I don't have to be mm -hmm. dyslexic. I don't have to be this odd one out at school, even though I was kind of making myself an odd one because I was a role player geek. I played uh, D&D. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, Not famous for being feeling. jocks, are they, role players? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I felt special and it yeah. felt great, you know, that I was this this big powerful warrior Conan usually because <laughs> that was my that was my childhood hero back then it still is actually to be honest um nice. so um yeah so it kind of it pushed me so much to to learn and develop my skills further and I got my hold of my first game that I brought which was uh, a game called Mutazoids which is a very old game where you pick your mutations and very crunchy where you're adding various stats together to get your HP, <laughs> etc. And that maths there developed me a lot further and it really mm. helped my education. It boosted me up and I just became addicted to, to role play from that point onwards. I became a, nice. became a DM, a GM, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> That's how <laughs> I, and I, I really enjoyed that element so much. Um, so I kept I kept playing nonstop, and uh, when I got home, uh, I started playing LARP. I went into LARPing for a while as well at um, Chiselhurst Caves in Kent. Anyone's <laughs> familiar with that? We're, um, we're laughing. Dave and I know. are not familiar with that because no, we had okay. a very bad car accident on the way to Chiselhurst in wow. like, when I was about eighteen. Oh, when was that? Yeah, well, nineteen eighty-eight or something, eight or something like that. Something like yeah. that. And and Matt crashed his car at about ninety miles an hour with five of us in it, and we all going to labyrinth. Going to labyrinth, right? Going, going to labyrinth. Going to labyrinth. Yeah. 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 Oh wow! And so, so we did didn't you, make did it you... to labyrinth. So. so you guys around in the days of Yan days? They called it the Yan days. It was the owner then. That, uh, we, well, as I say, we never got to Labyrinth, so we never met oh, the owner. You never, then, oh, but... I thought, yeah. oh, that was your first, wow. That, that was our first, first and attempt. our last day. Yeah. And Matt's car didn't make it, shall we say. Uh. <laughs> but we'd survived, thankfully. We could all have been killed. So, uh, yeah. So anyway. we, um, 
Yeah, so uh, so I did LARP, uh, and then I discovered uh, after, I think it was about, whew, how old was that, about 18, 19, I discovered Vampire, the Dark Ages. I didn't go to Masquerade, went straight into Vampire Dark Ages, because I, okay. um, I love history, and I love the fact it had history with twists with vampires in it, that were trying mm-hmm. to blend into society. So I've played Vampire for insanely long time i'm talking about <laughs> 10 years non-stop of vampire cool. and at the same time i was um uh, attending wednesday nights D at friend's house we're playing D first edition second edition to absolute death like non-stop for years uh and that's kind of actually how my uh the charity organization that I belong to as well, the Role Play Haven was formed. Mm. So we're all in a group kitchen. And this was about oh, going into about 14 years ago. And um, we, we sat there and there was this more and more of these people coming around. And we're thinking, gosh, we haven't got room for all these people in the kitchen. This is getting too crowded. Oh. So we, we moved to a friend's house for about two months and he moaned, there's too many people. We can't put two <laughs> tables in my living room. I'm like, why not? Why not? Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, I was quite serious. And uh, he was like, no, no, seriously, Gary, don't. How about you build a club? It's like mm. a, a club. And everyone laughed at me at the time. said, clubs are gone. Can't do them. And I mean, going back a little bit, I used to go to this West Wickham Games Club in Kent. And that's a lot of where I did a lot of role playing for many years as well. And I had that in my head and thought, that was great times being all around mm-hmm. the table in this little community centre. I really enjoyed it. So I said, let's, let's, let's do a club then. And they kind of laughed at me and I'm laughing at them now because <laughs> we're, yeah. like we're, we're now like the biggest in the UK of, of clubs. Yeah. But we, Yeah, tell we us a little bit about RP Haven because it's got branches all over the country. I know that uh, yeah. a friend of mine is... Uh, Involved in RP Haven in Lewisham, Nick Brook. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know yep. there's RP Havens in Wales, all sorts of places. Fill us in a bit on RP Haven. So RP Haven, uh, the role play Havens, full title. We just abbreviate to RP Haven. Uh, is been going around, going for about twelve years now in total. Uh, we started in the Lewis Club uh, in the hospital grounds in Lewisham. Uh, we're only a few tables, and it. Just as soon as we started putting tables in, it, it started to expand really rapidly. It's like, wow, people like a club for once. And people mm-hmm. came flying in. And I think we're at what they call the golden age of role-playing starting. I think <laughs> that's a phrase we're all talking about at the moment. The we're golden all age. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's not go there. Let's not go there. That's the topic. But, yeah, so that beginning of the golden age, I think we're at. And uh, we, we hit quite lucky straight away because we had – this Sky TV approach us and say, hey, have you ever heard of Ashley Banjo Secret Street Crew? Uh, we were like, no. We said, well, no. we want to teach a bunch of role players how to street dance. What? <laughs> <laughs> You're Can't joking, right? Out there. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're geeks. We don't dance. You know, that's not what we do. I certainly don't dance. So we, we went ahead with it. I don't know why we went. We felt daring. We went ahead and, uh, yeah, we got... We were on TV, Sky TV, Sky One. We got three quarters of a million viewers. Wow. Viewed us all doing six. So if you type it in Google, Ashley Banjo Secret Street Crew, do not laugh. You know what I'm doing right now. Do not laugh at me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so um, yeah, we did some 
we did some i'm in the background i wasn't one of the main dancers i was meant to but i went chicken and went out oh no nah. <laughs> no it was work commitments at the time honestly <laughs> so uh we, so we did this um dance and it, it boosted the club i think it created awareness and there was a ashley banjo brought up this big point to me that changed everything for us he said look what i noticed about you guys is when you're doing any activity just there's no confidence in you guys as soon as you start role playing you're different there's a different beast this confidence mm -hmm. oozes out on you and you change and he said it's like mm -hmm. when i do what he does dancing it changes him so then we started talking about building confidence with people and we started trying to you know use role-playing games as a tool and we connected up with another guy called elvis langley who helped us you know basically form the role play haven into an organization and one of our goals was to give something back to the community and how can we use role-playing games as a tool to help people in therapy mm. now we've not gone down at root therapy we do support other organizations like a big shout out to uk uh games therapy we work with them they uh so we we support them kind of in the background all these other organizations doing that and because the club got so popular and grew so quickly and we had all this extra money we wanted to give it back to the community and lewisham hospital was going through a lot of politics at the time with labor and the tories being trying to be closed down and we we, we gave them money we helped supply Ooh. wheelchairs when they were lower money we helped mm -hmm. supply clothing to the patients who believe it or not some patients don't have clothes when they leave hospitals so they're given dressing gowns but we mm -hmm. gave them normal clothes so they have a mm -hmm. bit of dignity when they leave yeah. and then we, we we just expanded from there we went then we went we went stratford branch archway branch then we then we went to a charity franchise where we gave money to other people to help set set up branches for them and then we went wales where another so, branch in wales then so we went many, edinburgh how many do you have now then gary across the country uh eight uh eight. well and we got liverpool coming on as well now uh and we've also in the talks of uh, stoke on trent as well Ooh. we have 33 volunteers and organization mm. uh we've raised something like twenty thousand pounds now in total uh just mm. by rolling dice so we don't do aggressive <laughs> crowdfunding you know crowdfunding no. uh charity raising yeah uh, it's all very very passive and this is just what people's subs as they as they they, yeah. they pay when they attend yeah. part of that goes towards the room hire and stuff like that but the the profit as it were yeah. goes into the charitable donation. i mean there's a lot of expenses role running role play clubs like mm -hmm. public liability insurance our website our website's all singing and dancing it does an awful lot we invest a lot of money into that we do a lot of advertising uh, and sometimes we help people get to the venues as well you know we there's a lot of output there mm -hmm. but there's also a great deal of that going to charity as well which is cool. something we're all very passionate about and i think on the back of that going circling back to your original question <laughs> i got into the rpg industry and i started working there i started working at modifius mm -hmm. and um chris birch invited me along uh, as a logistics manager which was my daytime job i'm a logistics specialist 
uh, used to ship plants and yeast around the world, so it's a pretty hard oh, right. thing to ship. <laughs> and um, and he said, "Do you want to do, do you want to work role play games?" And I said, "Yeah, it's not a lot of money in <laughs> RPG. I'm not suckering into this." Uh-huh. And he said, I- I- "I'm working on Conan." And I, ah, sure, I'm in. Go for it. Let's do it. <laughs> that was it. Sold. Conan. I'm. I'm in. I'm done. <laughs> That's it. Had my life for that. <laughs> so um, yeah, honestly, uh, and I started with Chris uh, right from the beginning. Uh, in his in his little bedroom with squirrels running across our keyboards, and genuinely <laughs> that's true. I'm, I'm not joking. Squirrels. I've got photos of squirrels on my computer. He's a squirrel whisperer, and, <laughs> and he's 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 been my mentor pretty much ever since. You know, he's mm-hmm. taught me a lot of marketing nice. and the RPG industry, and you know, we obviously built that business up from the ground up to this booming mm. mass um one of my jobs which i'm not sure if you guys would know this but um i was working with all of the co-publishers which i think uh, they got a different term for it now but uh so i used to look after free league and a long time ago <laughs> yeah <laughs> i used to advise you guys i remember speaking to thomas once saying to him you need to order more tales from the loop no, 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 we're okay, we're okay. No, 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 you've just won the Ennie, so things are about to go big now. Yeah. yeah. And sure enough, that's <laughs> the explosion of Free League and right there. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I used to deal with Matthias as well before they he joined Free League and... Yeah. When he was in... Um, Yen Ringen. Ringen. Yeah. Sorry? Yeah, yeah. When, when he was in Yen Ringen, yeah. That's it, yes. Yeah. And then he, I used to advise him as well, uh, and it was, it, was, <laughs> it was good days and various other different publishers uh, and then uh, in the background you know we also set up games quest in the early days uh, when it was yeah it was very good fun about doing that as well so because cool. i was a logistics specialist i gave them a lot of my knowledge and passed that across um and then i basically after that went kind of went freelance working for various companies like mind jammer press and uh Son of Oak as well to City of Mists, and yeah. here I am now running my own publishing company. I still consult, I'm still a consultant, I still keep in touch with everybody, and uh, running, uh, producing a game for When We Die, which mm-hmm. yeah. I think is pretty unique. Some of you might say it's a bit familiar because I'm dealing with this whole zombie thing. Yeah. We well, that's an you know. it's an excellent segue. Thanks for that. Thanks for segueing for us, Gary. That was perfect. So I'm, I'm making yeah. your job easy for you guys. You are, you are, which is great because yeah. it's it's hard doing this job with Matthew involved. So uh, oh. um, yeah. So um, when we die, so tell us a little bit about <laughs> where that came from and uh, um, and your kind of thinking and philosophy behind that one. So uh, when we die is a game that I'm trying to trying to think a little bit out of the box a little bit from the typical RPGs. We want to offer something a lot, lot different. I don't really want this game to be very much a, a hack and slash, rolling under dice values. I want tactics involved where you have to think on your actions, mm. consequences for your actions. You know, there needs to be a result. If you kill an NPC... Nothing ever happens. Well, some do. It depends on the GM, obviously. Mm. But I want to try and guide that GM to say, 
there needs to be effect for what you've done yeah and not just on on the physical but on the mental state as well you know there needs to have a mental effect as well on these characters so i basically grabbed a few uh veterans and we we put in a we put a system together which we call the resilience system which we is very early stages we're only in alpha stage and i understand this is a bit unusual you're releasing an alpha and you want to kick start in like what mm -hmm. october time but we we want to get the community involved we want these games most of the publishers think they want this is my game but you know if you're going to agree to my rules so we need to listen to the community more and mm. what they want more into these game systems so we want them involved at an early process their input what they want into this game uh, and so that's what we're trying to do we're trying to go open play test right from beginning it's not a perfect system there are issues we're human but we're going to make this the best ever because we've got awesome community behind us and my experience from the ttrpg industry tells me this industry is great for that mm. so let's put multiple minds together let's consolidate let's use all that experience and let's produce this cool well tell us a little bit about the resilient system then gary what's what's that all about so the resilient system is basic way of looking at it is your energy flow so if you're going to do an action you know it's going to exert energy so how we translate that is is you roll d6s uh one of the face values is a six which is a success and a four and a five is an opportunity and you can right. convert the four <laughs> and five by spending your resilience to a success and all of the other faces are blank so what you immediately got now is you've got something a bit tactical you've only got a small pool of your resilience which is based upon your attributes and you right. need to basically go oh i'm going to attack somebody now if i want to do more damage i have to spend if i get opportunity i can upgrade these i can do more damage uh but i'm going to get tired so mm. i've got to think mm. before i do these actions or you could do a sparring match i did a sparring match in a play session the other day a little boxing match and did this little boxing fight with this other guy and he just i was beating him silly and i was thinking oh oh this is too easy oh, there's a problem here and then he just turned around and one hit me and one blow he just said watch this one and whacked me out because <laughs> he saves his resilience he toyed with me and then i just got this is gold you can mm. actually use this for tactical this becomes mm. a tactical instead of the system of i'm always rolling my dice values there is an element of i need to think with this and the feedback we've had from play testers now is is this is very realistic this is very gritty they love the resilience and people are very very excited excuse my language for the new bit that we want to add to this which we're calling the bastard rating which <laughs> is right. what happens if i make do something bad <laughs> right <clears throat> what happens if i shoot him because he's annoying me because we're not DD here guys party friendly you know picking daisies this is a a gritty zombie game you mm. know this is the, the end times no one's gonna be you know all lovely to you so dave often we, starts every conversation by what happens if i shoot him because i don't like him 
is really annoying me. Not Dave, every Dave, conversation. I, uh, oh, that's, that's a scurrilous accusation, that is. No, no, there only about... some conversations where I've, I've started <laughs> like that, yeah. Every conversation is a player character and only a few <laughs> conversations in real life. So let's say that then. That's a great example. What happens if you shoot him? Well, you'll get a load of negative points. And you can actually gain additional resilience because you're used to killing people. So you're, you know, you gain more resilience, you've got more energy. So you're used, it doesn't phase you so much. So you get more points of resilience the more you go towards that rating. And it can unlock different perks for you to buy if you end the game on that particular rating. On the plus side. So if you push, if you you become a bit dark side then and start being a bit evil and killing people, you will gain, you'll be rewarded for that with extra resilience. Right. Yep. Okay. But if you're good How... and don't pull the trigger, is there a reward for that? Or is this a game that yep. is really rewarding you being very, very kind of. No, like no, it goes best. both ways. So it's right. like a temperature gauge and it goes both ways. So if you're, if, if you're very, um, uh, if you're good and you're giving and you're helping somebody. So when you help somebody, you can give them an opportunity. So you give them to your dice pool an opportunity to assist. So we're very much pushing. Look guys, if you work together, you're going to succeed a lot better because you're giving dice to this other player an opportunity. So it really pushes on that and it makes it actually kind of look, you can't just be horrible all the time. You can push to be good and that will move across. And again, depending which way you move on on this particular gauge, it unlocks different perks at the end of your adventure to buy with XP. You know, you could buy a, a perk that gives you something that's related to being a horrible person. Uh, I'm trying to refrain from saying bastard too much here. <laughs> so, you can say bastard as much as you like. Matthew is a bastard, so it's fine saying bastard. Oh, shots fired. <laughs> and if you're a good person, then there's going to be various different advantages. And I know what you're thinking. Well, you could just seesaw this back and forth between sessions. But, you know, let's talk The Walking Dead. Negan, bad. Then he wants good. Then he's sort of middle ground. People <laughs> change. People mm. switch. Personalities move. So if you switch back and you become a bit nicer having been a, a total bastard, do you mm. then lose access to the perks that you gained as a bastard? Or have you kind of banked those? You've kind of banked those at yeah. that time. Okay. So you right. can switch to it, but there'll be, of course, if you switch to that, that can affect things as well for you. Mm. This section that we're on that moment is it's very, very experimental. We're still playing with it and we're hoping to have it in our next release for our play testers, which reminds me, if anyone wants to play test this, please do. Uh, I'm sure we can drop some links for this where you can apply to become uh, a play tester. There will be links in the show notes. So yes. tell me tell me about links, actually. Uh, I when, when Dave mentioned this game to me, I looked it up and I found it on Drive-Through RPG yeah. in a free, free-to-download alpha version, yeah. um, 32 pages of uh, full-color um Game system, nicely laid out, all that sort of stuff. Uh, are there other links that we need to be including in our show notes, though? To I know you have Typhon Games uh, Discord. Do you want players and GMs to sign up with you, or do you just want them to pick up the uh, the quick start and start playing and then feedback there? So their, if their, you download their, this from DriveThru, it has the link in the back of the book. And the back oh, of the book has a, a QR code. So we tried making this easy as possible. Excuse me, burping here. So we tried making this easy as possible so you can 
uh, go straight to our Discord. We're filtering everything through Discord because it's a central line communication. And I understand not everyone's a Discord fan, but we need one route of processing all this. This is a lot of information. And yeah. once you get through, we have two types of playtesters. We have a level one playtester. It's someone who gives general feedback. A level two, which means we ask a question to see if you read the book. So you have an understanding of it. And we know, wow, this guy or girl, they have really read this. They know their stuff. We need to take them seriously. Right. So they cool. can upgrade to a level two. <laughs> and we give additional perks to those people as well who are playtests as well as the typical you'll be credited into the book as well. I'm a big believer in being credited for the work you do. Mm -hmm. So cool. this is great. So um, I I can't say that I would pass the test if you ask me a question about this, but I have got some kind of specific questions with my fleeting read through this rule set. I haven't played it yet at all. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, as, uh, as you said, it's a dice pool system. Uh, you can use normal D6, although I notice on the back page you've got some fancy custom uh, dice. Yeah, custom dice coming. That'd be lovely. Um, in fact, those custom dice remind me not just so the dice ball reminds me of Year Zero system, in mm -hmm. that you're, you're you're throwing a dice ball that's broadly speaking your stat plus your skill. Uh, mm -hmm. But the other thing it reminds me of is the two little mice system, things like outgunned and. Oh, household is the is the one that okay. our, our patrons are, are mad keen on, and actually, household is amazing if you haven't played it. Um, mm -hmm. find, I haven't. Find no. Don't buy the books because the books are like incredibly expensive. Find somebody who's already bought the books and make them run it. No, buy the books. Support the publisher. <laughs> they're, really, they're really expensive. I. I, I quite like to spend money on RPGs. And I balk at these, but never mind. Never mind. Uh, anyway, it's a fabulous game. It's um, mm. uh, Jane Austen fairies in an abandoned house. It's hilarious. It's brilliant. Um, so where am I going with this? Yeah. So you've got I can see echoes of those two game systems in there. Influence, probably. Uh, yeah. But obviously, one of them it, I haven't played. Newt Zero, I have. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and you know, and I'm not saying I'm not in any ways accusing you. You know, this no, is how no. things develop over time. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I noticed your stats. Uh, so I was thinking, okay, what is the size of the dice pool I'm rolling here? I noticed mm. that your dice pools, uh, well, your stats are relatively limited, and these in these sort of characters you've got in the back of the book, you've got some pre-generated characters. Yeah, yeah. And your stats yeah. are like ones and twos and things like that which mm -hmm. are kind of a little bit lower, if you like, than year zero. Oh, yeah. But your skills are often higher. So I've got skills <clears> here <throat> on these characters that are like five or six. So in the yeah. end, you you are rolling a similar number of dice to year zero. You're rolling mm -hmm. between four and eight, generally, I imagine. Mm. Is that, well, that's what I imagine. I'm actually asking you, is that about the size of the dice pool you're rolling, do you think? Generally? I mean, at the moment, it's like I said, it's very early stages at the moment, and we are looking at the success rates, um, making sure people can succeed generally all the time. And there's a lot of opportunities being rolled, but we are looking at adjusting them in the next one for increasing the number of dice because we want we want people to succeed. We we're trying to find that that middle line balance of success yeah. level. And so I was thinking it looked to me that probability looked quite low and you'd be spending your resilience quite quickly. You are. Um, you are. It's realistic. Is, yeah. 
So yeah, that's what okay. we want. We want realistic. I mean, I, but I you really also want talk. a little bit, a little bit easier to succeed. Yes, right. it's trying to get that right balance. So on yeah. paper and maths, it's actually perfect. It's like a fifty percent, but mm. you know, with the edge of the resilience. Uh, but what we're actually looking at at the moment is obviously trying to increase it. We we did a play test. We've done about twenty of them now, and a number of them people have said, "Wow, that was a lot of work." And they had to rest. The characters rest, and when you rest, you get your resilience back. Yeah. yeah. And I said, is "That that we use all our resilience up." I said, "Yeah. Well, you just climbed up the side of a building, killed a load of zombies, then you abseiled through another building." Across mm -hmm. the bus, well, I want to take kill, a breather. <laughs> kill the person. I think you need to take a breather, don't you? Think? Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, actually, I, I can see Fair that. Enough. Yeah, <laughs> but it's still a question of making it fun as well, and that's still yes. very important. Of that, yeah. you know, there's realism and there's fun, and that's why we're looking at going. Well, let's increase it. We're looking actually of uh, on the next upgrade, uh, upgrade the update is introducing what we call upgrades so weapons will give you opportunities automatically so if you've got a gun and you've got a scope that gives you an opportunity you know right. things like that uh and of course you've that, got so that automatic let me just because that automatically yep. gives you one result of a four or five is that what you're saying yes yes your, to that's, your a, pull. that's a that's a bonus outside of the other dice that you would roll yep Yep. Okay, I like so that, that. Cool. and that would be a thing you could then spend a resilience point resilience on and on actually turn that into a success. Okay, yep. that's because cool. I think that's one good. of the other big differences I noticed with Year Zero is the the number of successes in, is important. The GM mm -hmm. sets a difficulty rating. Yeah, yeah. I think it says number. between one yeah. and five. So you generally need more successes in this game than we do in most of the Year Zero games. It looks to me. You just need generally one success to do a simple task in our game. That's right. simple as that. Okay. One task to a simple one, but in combat, the many as you can get, because that increases your damage as well on top of the base. Yeah. So, right. yeah. yeah. But we're also looking at other things, like when you're saying with an opportunity, you give an opportunity to a player, you can actually so I, I take it away from them. So if you're giving someone a hand up up the side of a building, you go, do you want some help? And if they consent, and it's important they consent, say, yes. You can decide. I'm going to take an opportunity away from that person, so you remove uh, uh, right. you remove not success, an opportunity from them. Um, and so, so you, what do you, you do? Then, that you can then play you horrible. You just remove it. It's uh -huh. made it more made it more difficult for them. It's basically you stuffing up the other player. It's a bit of PvP. Right. One player giving another player a hard time for some good reason, presumably. Yeah. I hope that earns yeah. you some points on your bastard rating. Oh, it does. It does. And as a GM as well. But then you're not going to make friends doing that, are you, though, as well? So, so there's, there's a lot of this extra opportunities and ways to get opportunities to help balance things out. I mm. mean, obviously, with Mutant Year Zero, you know, you've got a negative and you've got a positive. All of ours, we don't have a negative on it. You've got zero facing values. Uh, our bodge system is not like a typical bodge, like you get in some systems when you go, I bodged, and the giant meat truck comes down and crushes you. It's like, what? Where did that come from? Yeah. Um, or rocks fall, whatever. Um, what we've done is, is if you look, at, and again, this is experimental, don't hold me to this, but at the moment, we don't want to make bodge serious. It basically makes a noise. So like you like you got a man, this is the end of times. Everything on the floor, nothing's swept. So if you step on something, it makes a noise, which is important. You don't make a noise in these times. Mm. Or your gun jams. 
because one of the things we haven't discussed is the background of this game, because that's kind of also quite unique what we've done in our background lore to this game. Mm-hmm. Our game okay. is set in three time that. periods. Three time periods. Right. Not one, two, or just three. The, out, the outbreak stage, which is the first part, that's when the whole outbreaks happens. Then we go to the next, we call them generations, but to keep it this important moment, we haven't named generations yet, we're still early. Second mm-hmm. generation time period is 20 years later, and then the third one is another 20 years later. Oh, so okay. you've got your weapons become more useless, bandages become more useless, resources Hard become harder. Yeah. So what mm-hmm. you've done is, is is you've made the game from a you've made a difficulty rating easy, medium, and hard. And you can play yeah. characters all through all of these. And it creates different genres as well. And it creates this book to be more usability. So we're not just but playing... by, and, say, the third era, um, stuff like foraging may be easier because more fruit and stuff is starting to grow in the overgrown buildings. And, and, anim- and animals as well. Yeah. Animals. There's a huge increase in animals and birds and stuff as the skyscrapers yeah. all come tumbling down. We've done mm. a lot of research on that side of things. Um, but interestingly enough, our zombies, and this is kind of critical at the moment to these time periods, they're not zombies. These are living people. They're living people. Right. Um, I can see you looking at me going, What? <laughs> So no, 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 we, no, no, no. They're not the undead, no. We've got they're... we've got an actual doctor involved who's a consultant who is a major in the army. And this is some very interesting stuff, I think. So if you've got a lot of zombie fans, you guys are going to find this very interesting. So mm. his name is uh, uh, Dr. Gary Coleman, another Gary. And Cause... um he was a... Uh... Is, is, is he short? Did he used to be an American sitcom? Same name, but not the same guy. He's heard this joke because I've done it to him a lot. It's worth yeah. Um So, yeah, so he was in the army and he was specialist in antibacterial warfare from terrorism. So, mm-hmm. and our, just so happens how our zombies come about is from bacteria. So mm-hmm. he is gold. And some of the stuff he tells you is amazing. And this one mm. story he told me when we said, we need the world to end in, in, in two weeks. How does this happen with our, how the zombie currently happens? And he said, actually, the way we designed it, and he helped design this, by the way, the zombie is very realistic. And I'll tell you about it in a minute. But he basically said the whole world would probably fall down within one week, not two, mm. one week. And we're like, what? How? And this is the interesting part. So he told me the story when he went to a conference in London, and this was just after the English 9-11 equivalent. And he said uh, he was in, uh, he actually went to the wrong room. He was meant to go into the military conference room and he went into the civilian one with the police and the ambulance and all that. And they were talking about what do we do if we get an, uh, not a zombie outbreak, but a fallout of some form in London. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they, they looked, they said, you know, well, look, I don't know what we do, because like, if it's dangerous, we, we can't send the police in, we'll have to call the army in. Uh, and, and the ambulances, sorry, the hospital crews said, yeah, you know, that's right, we'll have to call the army in, and they'll have to deal with this and all that. And he said, um, <clears throat> excuse me, actually, uh, I'm in the wrong room, but before I go, just to let you know, it's not the army's jurisdiction. The army do not come in. This is not Hollywood. 
this is the this is the responsibility of the police and the emergency services to deal with this we will not come in we will consider this that we're under attack we will protect government buildings and military bases we will not be coming in and it's not as easy as you think it is to go for even the government just to say i'm commanding the army to come in there's a lot of protocols and a lot of other things to be protected plus there's not enough soldiers to be to to protect all the towns compared to police and fire brigade and the other thing which comes down to is is rp are these people endangered uh i'll give you an example now if you have an outbreak that affects children and you're in a hospital you're very unlikely to be going into that hospital to do your job if you feel you can take something back to forget that can affect your children mm-hmm. and you might notice during COVID, the government really and i don't talk about parrot conspiracy theories here guys so <laughs> i feel like i'm going down this route but we're not so you you notice they they talk about a lot saying COVID does not affect children and they emphasize that so much and they're right it didn't by the sounds of it and i'm not i, I can't go into the full COVID side of things but they did emphasize that and then after put comparing to what this other Gary told me, Dr. Coleman told me, it's like, yeah, I can see that now. Why they were emphasizing that, because they mm. wanted people to get back to life. So COVID could be very different if it was affecting children. So could the world fall down on a zombie outbreak in a week? Absolutely, yes, 100%. The army yeah. could not really be what we think it is in Hollywood. Well, the old saying is that your you know, society is three, three meals away from breaking down. If you're not going to get three meals, then civilization starts to fall apart as people go hunting for food. Uh, so I'm doing a lot of talking here, but I, I, I'm quite excited yeah, by this. And I'm going to yeah, quickly cool. tell you about the zombies. Yes, so please. Tell us zombies. about the zombies. So bacteria in your stomach time. So um, whenever you have your healthy bacteria drink and have a little drink, it brings all this lovely, healthy bacteria into your stomach that's good and that actually helps if you suffer with mental health believe it or not so i'm told it can it it does affect your mind and it can uh, boost things up for you <laughs> so that got me thinking well hang on a minute what if we reverse this a little bit and not for the bacteria drinks either i'm talking about the stomach and in your stomach there are hundreds of bacteria and many we do not know what they all do and there and your stomach is a quarantine system and if that mm-hmm. one of those goes into your blood system, particularly things like the LPS, what we based it on, medical term here, LPS, your organ failure, you'll have an organ failure straight away. It's very it's that dangerous. You can only mm-hmm. have a minute amount of this going to your blood, and that's it's game over. <laughs> so what we've done is, is our LPS goes in the blood system, goes straight up to your mind send your mind to a primitive state instead of the positive it's going to the negative and it also kills some of the oxygen inside uh inside your blood which results into your skin starting to rot therefore the media nicknamed these people zombies Mm. and Mm -hmm. they are very much the typical slow moving zombies they can uh they all they want to do is sleep walk and eat and because they're prime they're humans still they're very primitive they can't tell is that cooked or real meat oh it's, it's a human it's meat i'll just eat him 
And if they do bite you, you get infected because the LPS. That was my next question. Yeah. Yeah. It will go through and into your blood system, but it creates a second generation zombie. And the second mm -hmm. generation can run because it does not, it's mutated again. It does not affect the muscle. So the muscle is intact, and these are very much different zombies. And they're slightly, ever so slightly, a little bit more intelligent, where they can open a door handle. They can climb a little bit, not massively, mm. a little bit. So they're very dangerous. Mm. Then we get into the second age. So we're talking about the first age here. The second age, <clears> they <throat> mutate to it mutates to animals. The third age, okay. it becomes much more fantasy, less realistic, and we got more abominated mutated bacteria fungi zombie not fungi sorry bacteria <laughs> uh zombie i need to stay away from that word <laughs> yeah. uh so yeah so that that's the zombie so we got like i said we you know we're consulting obviously uh experts we're consulting even with uh occupation therapists for the whole mind side because we want to get much of this as right as we can but mm. add the funness at the same time yeah and that's what we're kind of hoping to offer everyone something very unique realistic and cool. fun are you setting the game in a location particularly um nope. to kick off or is it just agnostic so people can just run the game wherever they fancy we're a bit early to give exactly on that one at the moment right. we are toying <clears> with the idea of uh basically and, and again this is just provisional you know draft but we are toying yeah. with actually having one main city in america and a made-up city in America, and the same right. for Europe. One one actual city in Europe, and one made up. But okay. we got issues with we got big issues with Europe, which we're trying to fix at the moment. Which is that nuclear power stations blowing up everywhere. I France has like five or six nuclear power stations, and there's not much left of Europe. And we need to work out how we solve that problem. <laughs> yeah. Right. Cool. Um, can I just talk a little bit about character generation and sure. uh, experience, things like that? I read in your uh, alpha test that effectively you get um, a, a number of points, a number of uh, survivor points, I think you call them, yep. to uh, to build your survivor out of. Um, now, off the top of my head, I remember that the number of points you get being kind of gm defined depending on the sort of campaign they want to run but you kind of recommend about a thousand points you spend mm -hmm. uh is it a hundred point uh, one one raise uh one raise in a stat, in a stat is a hundred yeah mm -hmm. uh one raise in a skill is 20 and something else is 40. am i right something like that <laughs> Yep, no, you're absolutely right. We're um, we're just trying to make it very customizable. We're actually doing two options. One is like a, the, a life flow chart where you can basically pick, you know, help yeah. you build a character. And again, that's integrated in the bastard rating system as well. Mm -hmm. uh, you can pick, you know, what you were before all this happens, what your education level was, and try and help develop, build that character. If you don't want to use points and you don't want that yeah. crunch, you just want to just. I've got to say that that. A thousand points felt a little bit to me like we're we're playing. Uh, oh my god, what's the game? Champions or something like that. From no, absolutely. Uh, and, and we actually got that feedback from the playtesters as well that the thousand points was it. You know, felt a bit 
high and extreme. And we were trying to plan very far for the future. And I think we over planned that. And I think that's our error. So I, what we're right. looking to do is actually probably curve it back to different type of number, lower figure, maybe like a hundred. Yeah, I, I got to admit, immediately in my head, and this brings you on to mm. my second question. So in my head, I've gone, oh, right. So that's that's really, that's one point for a skill, two points for a trade. Yeah, and, uh, you could you could divide it up by 10, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, no, absolutely. Uh, so Good feedback. That. Yeah. But, but then I noticed that the experience handout is really small in comparison. Mm. So you said you might only get two or five points for, uh, for yep, uh, it's going to change. A session. It's going to change. So that means you get one skill. Yeah, I mean, it could all change, but I'm just thinking, mm. what's the philosophy behind it? So it struck me then that. You know that's four sessions to to improve one skill by one thing, unless there are other ways of making improvements or changes to your character. So I wanted to ask about that. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely, it's a good question. At the end of the day, is we we got the feedback from the playtesters. They didn't like having a high value number, and as I said earlier, we listened to 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 the community. Mm. This is their game. If you don't like the game, you're not going to buy it. So it's mm. in our interest yeah. to make this right for you guys. So we're going to reduce that. We're going to relook at that. Uh, we actually had a meeting today actually talking about that at the moment. Um, and experience points, as it was just a play test session, it, it wasn't, you're only doing one session, really shouldn't be any experience in the book. But I think we just teased it in so that we are going to be doing mm. experience points. Uh, yeah. And that's going to have to be revamped as well, along with the rest of it. Because if we're reducing that 1,000 down to 100 or or 50, whatever it's going to be, like divided by yeah. 10, whatever, we're going to need to look address that experience points. But the experience points will be a little bit different to what people used to. Like I said, there will be ways of gaining experience points based upon what your actions are in game. Cool. So, like I said, with the bastard rating, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're, let's stop saying the word bastard. If you're a hero, lovely guy, (laughs) selfless, then you will get access to the unlocked perk or something. So there will be different stages, and you know, it. So this really evolves how you role play is what you can buy. Mm. Cool. Cool. Interesting. Okay. We're, we're, we've uh, we've talked for a lot now. I notice time wise. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, let's kind of bring us. You mentioned that you're going to come to a Kickstarter maybe in October. Mm-hmm. Is that your plan? That until is currently then, the plan. Yeah. Until then, then we're going to download test. it for free. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If yeah. I if I download it through, can you only download it through drive through or are there other places like itch.io and places like that you can download it? No, so we're only doing it through one source at the moment. We are looking mm-hmm. to opening it up through our website as well later on, probably when we hit beta, because the plan is we're going to alpha a few versions, then go to beta, mm-hmm. then go into the quick start, and then bang Kickstarter. And cool. usually probably through two sources that we'll push it through. Again, we, we might look at we might look at other avenues in the future. Cool. Mm. Cool. So right now, people should go to drive through. We'll put a link in the show notes. They can download it for free. Uh, I guess when you do an update, you'll be using drive through systems to notify people of updates. But they should also join your Discord mm. and um, uh, and join your Discord and be aware when you guys say, "Well, we put another update up." I guess as well. 
so the great thing about drive through is is when you do an update you get a choice to actually put a little text box to start, give them a bit of information and a lot yeah. of people just go submit they don't tell anyone anything but what we're going to do is go here's a log file this is what we're changing so you can see mm. every single step that we that journey that we all take together as a community cool and again Brilliant. The, the discord is if you want to follow that journey further and go look guys i want to follow this journey further i want to get more involved great go on discord if you guys just want to download and play, go for it. I I, I cool. want people generally to be involved. They want to be involved in it. I'm not going to over push on anybody on it. Cool. Brilliant, brilliant, Sounds great. Yeah. So, are you Is guys going to tell us? Gary? Are you are you both going to back now? If I talk to you around? Well, well, I'm waiting to see back. the beta. You know. We've <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, both already downloaded your free your free alpha version so you know <laughs> we, we've obeyed the call to action yeah now, the question is are we going to play now the problem with mm. me is i just do not like the zombie genre it doesn't do anything for don't me you? so but they're not zombies quite hard on me this is <laughs> these are people these are people they these have right people. to do they're, they're just infected yeah. uh, okay so they're like 28 days later then Gotcha. Right. Okay. I yeah, don't like that either. To that. Yeah. Oh, I'm not selling this to you very well, am I? <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'm just one person. It turns out a lot of people like zombies. I mean, mm. I I wasn't that excited. I've got to say about the Walking Dead universe, and that seems to be doing really well out mm. in the community. Loads of people are loving mm. it. Yeah. Compare ourselves to Walking Dead this year with Blade Runner last year as well when we were in live shows. Walking Dead is kind of flying out the door in a way that um, surprised me, but didn't yeah, surprise did. Dave because Dave yeah. always likes zombies. Uh, yeah, I'll it didn't surprise zombies, me yeah. either. Yeah. No, um, so uh, cool. it's been a real pleasure talking to you, Gary. Yeah, thank you for having um, me. Yeah, and we'll, we'll try and have yeah. to, we'll try and put a game online or something, maybe Dave at some yeah. point. That's a good idea. I, yeah. Oh wow. Okay, I'm on the spot. I've got no choice but to say yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you haven't. You, you could say it? no. I don't want any online games until version X. You could. You could say I, no. We'd not... then just delete this entire interview and do something else on the podcast. Oh next week. no! I, <laughs> do you know what? I, I I hate online gaming. I do. I I, I I need the feel of the Dyson's right in front of people to get the I reactions. Like to be with people. Yeah. No, I know exactly I've, where you're coming. I've had everybody. I've Modifius pushed me to do it and all this, and now I'm faced with this and go. I think I'm going to actually have to do this. I'm going to have to do an online game session. I'm going to have to break it and do it. So I'll tell you what, you guys, I'll do it with you. I'll cool. push it. Tell if, you what. If you two sign you up to we won't, get a full We party. won't make you run it. Well, do, do, are you offering to run it? I'll run it. You'll Sounds run it. To me. Cool. And I, I don't run online. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll yeah. help you run online. I mean, what we, we don't like any of the, uh, Dave and I, this is, I mean, a lot of our patrons do. But, but you we don't, don't like zombies, it. so how are you going to fit into this? It's okay, I'll live with your zombies. For you, Gary... They're I'll not zombies. zombies, they're poorly people. <laughs> there we go. There we go, excellent. Uh, but we don't, nice. you know, we don't like particularly any of the virtual uh, tabletops, table so stuff. we'll yeah. do it like this. In this sort of session, you'll have to talk at us. Yeah, We can fine. roll dice on the table if you trust us all. And um, it'll feel like a gaming session when you play with us yeah. around the table. And maybe okay. we get a few other people involved as well. Yeah. Oh, oh sure. yeah, it will. I mean, we'll get some of our patrons to join us, I'm sure. Yeah. We'll have yeah, a number we'll of people in. People falling over themselves to join you, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Okay. Cool. Cool. That's a date. 
So I only have one problem with <laughs> uh, the lovely, 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 lovely Gary Harper's um, <laughs> game concept here. Uh, and that is, he calls it when we die. And the implication here is that when we die, we come back as a zombie. But he made it really clear that these are not dead zombies. These are more like 28 days later, infected individuals. Poorly people, um, yeah. Poorly people. And when we're poorly doesn't sound <laughs> quite as good. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. When we have a slight cough. Um, but no, it was, it was great having Gary on the show and I really enjoyed listening and and, uh, and really enjoyed looking through When We Die because I had a look through it before before the interview. And mm-hmm. you know, it looks, you know, their, their, their playtest document looks really good. It's nicely done. It, it's, uh, uh, you know, it, it's there. And as, as Gary said, they're after people to playtest it and GMs to, to run it. So um, the links will be in the show notes. So if you want to... Yeah get involved with any of that please crack on and do so um but yeah there's it's interesting because we've you know this is at a time where where we are we are some of us are are are, are focused in on the walking dead and have been been enjoying that no you're not but i am and doug our patron is and a few others um yeah i think the one thing unless i've completely missed it is the um, it's not threat, is it? I can't remember the name, but Gary used for it. Um, but the the mechanics for threat, which he called something yeah. else. Uh, uh, you'll remember. We've not only, resilience. You just, just listened to it. Uh, it's not resilience. Is it? I don't think. Um, that they that those mechanics don't appear to be in their quick start. So yeah, um, I'll be interested to see how they play out and what um, you know what, what what approach Gary's taken. For, for building up that. It wasn't tension. Whereas there are yeah. mechanics for experience in the quick start, which given it's only one adventure is But then he did mention necessary. that, didn't he, say <laughs> um, to us that... But yeah, that's fine. You know, it, it's completely an iterative process and I, I like that. Yeah. And I think I think Gary's doing a really nice job of trying to involve the community and get, get as many voices um, contributing to it as possible, which I think is a nice... Yeah. A nice touch. And of course, we've done something similar with Tales of the Old West, but only with our silver level patrons and above. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he's probably got a bigger catchment to do. Oh, yeah, for his. sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, it's an interesting take, actually. Something that I hadn't thought to mention. But he was talking about, you know, you get games that is, you know, that are, are somebody's, you know, um, baby. And yeah. they produce the game and then they put it out for everyone then to, to play with. And then you get games in the way that Gary's managing this one, where you're getting as many people involved as possible to to, 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 to contribute to it. And it's it's interesting, two different approaches to game design. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think they've, they've both got their pros and cons. But I guess that the challenge with, with doing it Gary's way is, you know, if, if, you're, if you've got a, you know, a sample of the community that's big enough, you will basically get, views which will cover off every single angle and you can't have every yes. single angle you know, so at some point you have to decide okay i've got 30 percent of people who love that mechanic 30 percent who love that mechanic um you know which way do i which which side of the fence do i fall so i guess still the, you know the final decision has to come back to the designer but it, i guess you know yes it's good to get all those views and i'm sure there'll be a lot of things that will come out that will make the game 
slicker, more efficient, more effective, more fun. But you run the risk of annoying a substantial minority of your community if you don't then implement things that they have suggested. And they go, oh, what's the point of all that? You know, you, you ask us and you don't even listen to us. So it's mm. it's a challenge to manage that, I think. It's, it's as I said, pros yeah. and cons for, for, for both ways of approaching game design. No, you're right. And there's a danger there that every individual actually wants to play a slightly different game and their expectations of of a game may be very different from the creator's expectations. Yeah. Um, and um, which I guess is a, or ill. Yeah, I guess that's a risk though that you you also have if you if you're a you know a lone designer or a small designing group who then design a game and then release it. Um, you know, people who have are waiting anxiously for your game to come out um, might feel exactly the same and have. Yeah. I've my I want this version of you know my version of this game needs to do X. Somebody else says my version of this game needs to do Y, and actually it does Z. Mm. <laughs> and some of those would be fine. Okay, that's all right. I'll go with that this game. You know, I want to play. Um, so you still run the risk. I guess the thing you don't run the risk of is then them then them then saying, well, I told you I wanted it to be X, or I told you I wanted it to be Y, and you still you made it Z. How how, how yes. dare you? You know, so there is at least that, that if you don't if you don't let people participate in that thing then they can't get cross that you didn't do the game they wanted whereas if they've told you they may feel you know that they've got a right to see their their ideas included yeah but i don't know we yeah, i mean we should go on to the, you know that all may so most of this idea for comment on this comes through the discord and maybe the discord is managed yes. in a way that you get a big notice at the front that says we reserve the right to make our own game still yeah, yeah. That would, that would, that would uh, we're not going to take all your ideas. Um, yeah, yeah you, you could say something like, "Yeah, we will, all, we will, we will, we will consider all your ideas and appreciate all your thoughts." But final decision is obviously ours. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, right. So yeah. So what are we going to do next time then, Matthew? Well, I've got an idea. Um, you may be aware, Dave, that. Uh, in the next week, we see the first episode on Apple TV of Masters of the Air. And Masters of the Air is, if you like, the third part of a trilogy, shall we mm. say, from Tom Hanks and Spielberg, where they take a book of um, war memoirs and film it. It was, first of all, um, Band of Brothers yeah. and then Pacific and uh this is about the uh american bombing force in britain flying the, flying the flying fortress yeah yes although um also i noticed the tuskegee airmen as well which will be an interesting okay. uh, how how they combine those two stories will be interesting to see um anyway that made me think if your Rendezvous with Destiny campaign is effectively uh, Band of Brothers for war stories. Yeah. What would Masters of the Air be like for war stories? How would the... And I was just thinking this idly a couple of days ago. How would the mechanics change? How would the, how would the adventure format change? Mm. For example, um, you know, you if you don't die, you get to go home, generally. At least for a while, uh, until the next mission. And yeah, 
Yeah. And, you know, so you, you're not stuck uh, in France. You you get to fly home to England, and you know the element. What would be the drama that happened around there? Meanwhile, you know it's it's kind of not as tactical. You can't do quite that miniatures war gamey bit that you can be inclined to do with um with that. So I, I thought I might just have a go at um thinking that out a bit more, and I'll write an article about. What would air combat? And we're talking specifically bomber crew, not fighters, not the Tuskegee Airmen, because, you know, the crew makes a great part of your PC. So how might one adapt war stories to to do that? I certainly know that um, we've had conversations at a very, very, you know, high level. High level, early level. Of doing doing something, you know, for for the air war in war stories. But um, nothing is being done on it at the moment. So there's a Pacific supplement being drafted up by Gabe at the minute. And yeah. there is is uh, obviously part two of The Rendezvous with Destiny um, is on the books. And so, yeah. also, yeah, yeah. So 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 any sort of air war thing is going to be way in the future if they do yeah. that one, isn't it? I guess, yeah. yeah. Um, and Ooh. I'm not and I'm not pitching for it here. I just, I just <laughs> thought it's an interesting philosophical uh, yeah. thought experiment. Really, is what Absolutely. I'm going to present next week. Well, uh, if your ideas are any good, I'll pinch them and then I'll pitch it. So it's fine. Cool. Okay. Well, <laughs> as long as I get additional writer credits. Yeah, you could probably do that. Yeah. <laughs> cool. They better be good now. No pressure, Matt. You better be good. <laughs> well, they may be just so bad that you think, ah, yeah, I can see how not to do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Cool. So Good I stuff. still expect an air credit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For not doing it how he suggested, Matthew Jones. <laughs> yes. Right, mate. I think we've gone on long enough today. We've done, yeah. Our most recording session I was determined to finish, um, well, uh, 23 20 minutes. minutes ago. But there we go. Gremlins in the computer. Bastards. Right. Well, um, have a great couple of weeks, everybody. And uh, yeah, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from him. And may the icons bless your adventures. We didn't ask Gary to say that, did we? We didn't. Ah, shit. Now that was crap. You have been listening to The Effect Podcast, presented by Fiction Suit and the RPG Gods. Music stars on a black sea, used with permission of Free League Publishing.